Welcome to the Dead Harvey Podcast. This is the podcast for both indie horror filmmakers and fans. This is where we talk about the horror stories behind the horror stories. And we are all about getting more indie horror out there. We want to work with indie horror filmmakers, producers, uh, filmmakers, writers, whatever. So please reach out to us at deadharvey.com. Check out the site. Subscribe to our newsletter. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, we want to hear from you and uh, learn more about what you guys want to hear about so we can give it to you. Today, this is a topic that everyone that always comes up. I've had my horror stories in this. We are going to talk about crowdfunding. Um, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, Patreon, that type of thing about how basically you tap your, your audience for funding your projects. Um, I just think it, there's a lot of projects out there. And we should be looking at them and helping these guys out too, because it's good for them. It gets more indie horror. So I think every every month we'll look at a couple of projects we found on there and give them a little bit of a shout out. So we'll talk about that. But before we get into the crowdfunding, uh, we're going to talk about one of the movies that both of us recently watched that's on the Dead Harvey Top 10 list. We both watched Shook. Yes. What did you think? Um, I thought that it started like overall, I dug it. Uh, I thought it started out like a, like it was a CW show and it seemed pretty kind of melodramatic, sort of like the, the teen kind of gossip girl kind of shows what it reminded me of. I had a little bit of that vibe to it. And then, uh, this girl dies via high heel, which I thought was kind of cool. And then after that, it sort of, it, it continues kind of like this little bit melodrama. It's about the social media influencer. But about the second half of the movie, it starts to get twisted and progressively more twisted. And that's where I really started to dig it because because uh, Jennifer Harrington started to kind of commit to that tone of the movie once it shifted. Um, so it was a little uneven, but I do like how chaotic it got. And there were some pretty intense scenes with needles and some other things that make you, that make you kind of, that makes your skin crawl a little bit. Yeah, I mean... It was pretty, it was, what I really liked about it is, and you could tell she has sort of an editor's background or, yeah. or cause she really was thinking about her shots and there were some cool shots in there mm-hmm. yep. that were, that were, you were, they were really thought out well. And I, I love, I mean, it, it works from both a budget standpoint as well yep. as, uh, yeah. Yeah. as well as an aesthetic standpoint to be able to do that sort of mixed media look. Mm-hmm. And and you've, you've seen it a bunch recently, but she did a really good job. There's some cool shit she did where like she's typing on the computer and you can see they're projecting the screen behind her. Yeah. And it was probably a practical effect where they're actually projecting yeah. it on the wall. And then it, it cuts to like a like a some sort of cut of the phone screen or whatever. It's just the way she edited it all together, I thought was pretty smart. And yeah, she and she did a few things in there that I that I haven't seen before, but because they've overdone, I mean, now granted, like host on on Shutter mm-hmm. did a really good job of using the Zoom format and and basically having to stick within that format for yeah. telling its story. But you've seen other ones that do social media and they're kind of like cut to the computer screen or through. She did a really inventive job of having it kind of live off the computer screen but still work. And I that, that that's actually me, a really good point. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I was really impressed with that. And it kept it going because a lot of people, when they try to do this, you get lost in it because they're like, how often can we see typing on a screen? And then here's my phone and then here's a screen. And she had it like letters in the air or some of it was projected. It was like a really inventive way to yeah. tell the story, I thought. Um, the story itself, yeah, I mean, it did have twists and turns. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of like appreciated the fact that the, – and and quite honestly, it was one of those stories, and I won't get into it too much, but where they actually, actually laid out exactly what the, the, the twist was at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You just didn't really pay attention. And then she did a good job of bringing it in, and you're like, oh, oh, yeah, it's because she's got this illness. And, and uh, like, I don't want to blow too much about it. But she did introduce it at the beginning. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it follows another train of thought and then twist. So it does all kind of make sense. Uh, yeah, I it was like inventive. How... I like how catty, like she had like the, the group of friends. So like the social media influencers are already not very likable to begin with, but it does a great job of making, making them become fodder and, uh, and making you really root for that. Um, so, so that was cool. It's got like a great, like you want to see people die in a movie. She does a great job of making you want these people die. Um, yeah. But, uh, and it also reminded me of, without giving anything away, it reminded me of the movie uh, April Fool's Day. Yeah, 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 for sure. Sort of like a modern retread of that, but but with a completely different aspect with the social media influencer thing. But we're going to be seeing a lot more movies that are based off of this kind of topic. Uh, there was ones that came out before that like the movies to think uh, Unfriended and Follow and things like yeah. other horror movies that, that sort of preceded this. Um, yeah, but she does a really good job of taking that 80s uh, concept of that April Fool's Day sort of movie and then mixing it into this. And she gets very uh, creative and uh and ballsy with some of the the torture that happened in this movie yeah I, I, and i and and, it, and and she didn't rely too heavily on social media and say it's all social media like happy mm -hmm. death day and those kind of things do where it's like right. it's all about it it actually utilized social media as a communications tool more like it actually bridged it more than told like like she didn't use it as a crutch she used it as a a tool if, yeah, if that absolutely. makes sense yeah. right, right like you know how sometimes you watch and it's like we're completely dependent on social media and, 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 and the story is trying to make, it was like, no, nah, it was just a tool. This is how she communicates. It right. was an inventive form of storytelling. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing. I, I thought, I mean, you watched, you, you watched a lot more of the, uh, of the dead Harvey 10 than I have so far. Uh, but uh, so far, I mean, I looked at that. The only thing that I always think about is just me when I watch mm -hmm. them. Is that a lot? I mean, it feels like a lot of the horror and gore that you see now in indie films. I'm like, I feel like telling a lot of people is like, hey, we're indie. This is indie film. You can go yeah. a little more over the top. Like, don't be afraid to go. Maybe people like pull back on that a little bit. But one of the cool things you can do in indie is get really grotesque. And I feel that while there was cool shit like the needle scene and, and a couple of other uh, good gory yeah. deaths, it's like, some sort of stuff. I always kind of think it's like, Hey, we don't have to play like this is a theatrical release here. Or I mean, even though she might've been going for a theatrical release or got one, right. it's like, let's go over the top. I like what, like when indie guys go over the top, like oh, yeah. I, but the heel in the, in the, in the mouth at the opening was pretty cool. But I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Ah, we could have done more. That was a little bit more campy, and then she sort of moved towards a saw angle in the second half of the yeah, movie. yeah, 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 yeah. True, true. But all in all, uh, really inventive. I think uh, if people are looking at social media uh, integrations into into their projects, it's a really inventive look 
So I think it's worth checking out just for that to see how she she used that as a storytelling tool. Yeah, I mean, Black Mirror as a series does this really mm-hmm. well as well too. This this reminded me of that kind of kind of a show. Yeah, where they take like the technology and do the dark side of technology and all the ways it's actually destroying our lives instead of helping us. So this yeah. this taps into that pretty well as well too. But like you said, it also leaves it alone as a tool. We're not reminds us that we're not dependent on technology, but it mm-hmm. does ruin a lot of things for us as well too. Yeah, it was cool. It's great. Uh, so thumbs up on Shook. I made our list due to uh, the, you know, why it was there when, when we researched it and it and it delivered when we actually yeah. saw it. Yeah, so. absolutely. It's a it's a definite it's a definite recommend. Yeah. And um, uh, go ahead. Anything else you want to say about the? No, show? I have nothing else to say on Shook. I was I was about to move on to our to our main topic. Oh, okay, I just want to throw in real, to add. Yeah, yeah I want to throw in real quick because I watched some of these other movies on the top ten list. I've, I've got through about half of them, uh, so I'll just give you a real quick here. Red Dot. Uh, I thought it was cool. It's a Swedish movie, um, worth watching. Um, it does, and it does have like a, a cool concept to it. I thought it was going to be more cat and mouse. Then it ended up being more of a story to it, backstory, uh, the way, the reason why these people are being punished. Uh, unfortunately it just sort of ends right away and that was unfulfilling but it's it's worth checking out it's above average um was the joe bob one my predictions for the joe bob special i got completely wrong on both of them um one of them was tammy and the t-rex the other one was the love witch but probably because of love Witch, he had the director of that one on uh but that was actually great those are both really good oh i also watched uh and then i also watched uh, crime scene the vanishing oh, at, crime scene. I, haven't seen, I haven't seen the reckoning yet um that's the one i want to see that's i was waiting for it to go one. down on price a little bit once it hits like a little bit of a sale i'll probably get it or maybe <laughs> I, maybe i'm because i know that wrong turns coming on next week so i'll watch that one uh but i watched crime scene the vanishing at the cecil hotel that one is definitely worth watching um the but now i did my one thing about that is that it was about four episodes long i think it could have been done easily in two and just made a movie out of it because there's a lot of conspiracy that happens around it, but when you find out what actually happened at the end of it, or what they, or what they say actually happened at the end of it, in the official report they put out, it's like, oh well, this just kind of they built all this conspiracy theory up to nowhere. This would have been much better in two episodes as opposed to four. But I think that's a good probably um, topic for another show: is how long some of these episodes should be on on streaming platforms like Netflix to make them work the best. But the whole history of the Cecil Hotel is bizarre. Serial killers lived there. People were thrown out the window. Countless murders happened there. 80 people died in 10 years. It's got some bad, bad uh, juju at that place. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Well, they, I've, I've noticed that it, it struck a bit of a chord because it's now showing up in um, yeah. some other other people are talking about. I think it was on last 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 night this week. Or was it last week this night with John Oliver and joked yeah. about it and stuff? So it's like you could tell they 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 touched a bit of a a nerve by bringing it out there. Oh, but I what? also do find yeah. yeah, I do I do find that too though that like a lot of these because I guess they want more content. They're like, how do we stretch this to six episodes? Yeah. And like like I saw that with a couple of mm-hmm. these ones where it's like there's like episode two and three really don't need to be there. 
I mean, literally just a documentary about the history of that place would have been more than fascinating enough. And you could get just like one movie out of it. But they do include like these Internet sleuths that are a big part of it. But they're conspiracy theories. Spoiler mm-hmm. warning. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> so and that's what they spend a lot of it on. That was sort of my my beef with it. But other than that, the history of that place is fascinating. And I used to. So when I was in L.A. before, I barely went to downtown L.A. I've been down there a couple of times like. Uh, this friend of mine and I, we used to go down to the toy district. He would buy props and use them for movies. And so go down. And there was so like near there, which is near where the Cecil is, is where Skid Row is. And you'll just hear people having mental breakdowns one block away from you and just screaming at the top of their lungs. We were followed a couple of times by people on crack, any other sort of one guy was following us for several blocks and saying like, Hey man, the hobgoblin just attacked me from an alternate dimension. I need you to help me get out of this alternate dimension. I was like, Oh shit. But yeah, um, I've been, I've been down there (laughs) numerous times and, and it is one of those weird things, especially like where like the Holly, like Hollywood Boulevard and, 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 like there's certain places and you can see the picture shows. Yeah. That's the postcard. But when you turn the corner, it's just, Oh yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. Skid row. And you're, it's not as, I I just remember that about that area quite a bit that uh, I don't, cause I don't think right there, but anywhere in that general area where you see, Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, Hey, like the season hotel, this is like, it has this, you know, that was a place to stay 50 years ago. It was awesome. And then all of a sudden now, there's so much shittiness all around it. It's like, rich like, people living next to abject poverty and abject poverty that that's been there for because it's like they, so that's where all the services are for um, for the Skid Row district, and that's near where the hotel is. So now this is the now this is the bizarre thing about the documentary. They tried to do since there was so much craziness that happened there, the hotel got such a bad rap. They had decided to, the new hotel manager, when she came in, they had decided to make it more friendly to tourists because they're getting all these bad ratings. So they turned half of it into sort of this hipster reimagining, called it like the stay on Main or something like that. And then the other half of the hotel was for the tenants that were there because they weren't allowed to kick the long-term tenants out or raise their price. So there was, there was rules against that, but they could take the other half of the hotel and raise the price and try and make it look more hipster. So it lured hipsters in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a lot of them had a bad ending, uh, including the Canadian woman that came there where the documentary is based off of. Yeah. Why would anyone uh, end up there? They would have to, sh- even if you go to the hipster overpriced part of the hotel, you still have to share the same elevator. So people that were like murderers or serial killers, you'd still be sharing the same elevator. With them. <laughs> and that's where they got like a lot of their controversial footage on the elevator from where people thought that she might have been stalked or whatnot. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, no, no it's, that's one of those weird things about LA. Those the, the areas you go to where you see something that's that's famous and you know, and you're like, oh, it's pretty cool. But then you literally just turn to the left, and there's yeah. just a pile of shittiness. Oh that, yeah, that's, that, that's right there. I mean, I I just yeah, I had some. I remember getting drunk by the Kodak Theater once. Yeah, and, that's what they do the Oscars. Yeah, when well, they do the Oscars, and yeah. it's next to the, it's next to the Man Theater, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the, it was they're they're, they're kind of there together. And it literally has that walkway. Oh, yeah, the Chinese Grommans. Yeah. It Chinese Grommans yeah, Theater yeah. there, and then and then the Kodak Theater. And it's on purpose that they're next to each other, because that's why they built it there. But yeah. they literally have that walkway with the cutout where you see the Hollywood sign. Yeah. And it's like, I remember like being all ailed and, and walking across and seeing it. It's like, it literally, they purposely frame it like it's a like it's a postcard where you get, get your picture taken. Absolutely. But then when yeah. we were leaving and you cross the street, you're trying to get out of there, like catch a cab or do whatever. Like literally across the street is just utter garbage. 
Oh yeah, like, like like around the corner, and I remember going like, "Where the fuck did we end up?" Like like literally across the street from where they block all that shit off, and when they take the pictures, it's all facing one way, and then you literally turn the other way, and it's endless shittiness. But oh yeah, if you see like the footage of Hollywood Boulevard recently, it's it's twice as many homeless people sleeping out front now. It's really sad. Yeah. It's but, it's been I mean, a while since is, down there. the homeless population just keeps booming over there well yeah and they just push it aside before they take their picture of what they want to take a picture <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyhow let's get on to the main thing we want to talk about you know what this is ever since it became a thing which is probably 10 years ago mm-hmm. give or take um it's a huge tool for indie filmmakers and that's crowdfunding and i think it's also one of those big things that people fuck up a lot yeah uh because it's not is not an easy road to go. It can work. Uh, it does work. But we have a horror experience on, on trying to go the crowdfunding road. And, when I'll, and I'll share that story. But it is something that, you know, I, I mean, it's not that I don't recommend it. Because if you have a good network of people, it's a good it's a good way to raise money. So we'll talk about some right ways to do things, some wrong ways to do things, but I'll start with my story. And I think you remember when I did this. And I'm going to leave all the names out of this story because um, I don't want anything to come back to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we it's had... Late. It's already come back to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had had... So it, it was kind of when it was a new thing. And we were, I remember we were talking at the time. This is before Patreon was a thing. But it was when it was Indiegogo and Kickstarter. And I think that's pretty much the two big players now. I mean, I think literally yeah. if you dug enough, there's probably hundreds of crowdfunding platforms out there or utilize it. But for, for film and the arts, uh, it's those three, Indiegogo, Kickstarter, or Patreon. Um, and Indiegogo and Kickstarter, Indiegogo at the time, I think was more known for doing artsy and film stuff. And Kickstarter was more known for like tech and building like coolers and whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh, so we, we decided to go on Indiegogo. And when you get on there, you get, you know, the two choices. Do you want to keep all the money regardless? Yeah. And, or do you want to hit a target and then you get your money? Yeah. So, so first off the right way to do it, is to know you're going to make the project and therefore hit a target that you're going to hit. Then you get your money. Did we do that? No, we didn't. We did it the other way. The other, the other, we did it. We're like, well, fuck it. If we get a bunch of money, let's just take the money and be able to do it. But here's the problem. Half the things that you promise when people give you money, they assume that the movie is going to get made. And we did not raise enough to get the movie done and therefore did not make the movie, but a bunch of people gave us money and were extremely disappointed. Um, so we yeah. did that part wrong. Two, we had a semi name attached involved that people knew. Uh, that was our little. We thought that was our sort of, uh, you know, that was going to be our like golden ticket, right? It's like, okay, we got this yeah. guy. He's got a name. He's got a huge social following. I think he had like a million followers, right? So we we're like, how, like, how hard could this be? Like, he's got a million followers. If this guy pushes the whole thing for us and works with us. This is going to be great. And I remember I actually met him for lunch and he was all into it. And it was going to be great. And I was like, okay, this is cool. This is, this is how can we fail? Well, don't count on anyone to actually do anything that you tell them to do, especially when they're that, uh, well, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to say anything bad. It's not that it was bad. It was just like those guys, when they're, when they're like that, they don't expect to do much work, right? Let yeah. alone tap mm-hmm. other people. So we had, 
expected. He was actually on TV at the time. Uh, and and we were like, just mention it. And he actually did mention it. We had one big push and he mentioned it on TV. And it got us this big interest. And then Indiegogo actually reached out to us. And this is where we learned how, how wrong we were doing stuff. Because Indiegogo watched it, saw mm-hmm. it. And then someone from Indiegogo contacted me and was like, why are you doing it this way? You're doing it completely wrong. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, this is, I'm just, we're just. Doing- oh, shit. I don't remember this. I don't remember you telling yeah. me this. So what was their recommendation that you do differently? Then? Well, they're like, well, basically they're like, you've got this guy with a name. Why are you not doing this, this, and this? And oh, okay. long and short is like, we did, we didn't come and we had said it at like, we want, I can't even remember. Like, we were like, we know we can make the movie if we get $50,000 or something like that. Or it might have even been something stupid, like $500,000. Like, we were yeah. like, yeah, this is what we need. But we said, we're keeping the money if we don't even raise it. We didn't raise anywhere near to our goal. Then all these people were like, well, I just bought a perk that was like, you said he was going to go my, like I was going to be able to be in the movie or I was going to be able to do this. Like we said our perks wrong. So we couldn't fulfill our perks. And it just turned into just a gong show. Like we, like it it was basically we set everything up wrong. Indiegogo called us and then basically afterwards, and I had a bunch of conversations with them because this is the time they were trying to launch their format. And, and basically a bunch of people being like, well, this one guy, he's no longer there. I still follow him. So anyhow, going back. So the Indiegogo guy calls us because the campaign got mentioned on TV and he looks at the campaign and then finds a contact name, finds my contact name, reaches out to me and is like, why are you, why are you doing it this way? So I ended up getting this whole big, long list. But here was the problem. At the end of the day, the big problems with it were is we set our we set the limit too high. We collected the money even though it didn't get done. Okay. And then when it didn't get done and we couldn't make the movie, a bunch of people couldn't collect their perks. So they started coming after us saying, yeah. I want my I want my money back. But Indiegogo takes 20% if you don't right. hit your goal. Uh-huh. So we're like, well, and we, and we use some of that money to – do some press release, make EPKs and, and do a little stuff uh-huh. to try to, and, and we said, look, everybody, we're still planning on making this movie, but we didn't come anywhere near to what we, we thought we would get. Yeah. So we're going to use this money to market the project and hopefully raise the money we need to make this. Uh-huh. Well, most people were like, eh. and then, and then a bunch of people reached out to Indiegogo and said, I want my money back. And Indiegogo's reply was, there is a risk. It's on them. It, 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 there, it says it in the small print that yeah. we, we can't guarantee things are going to get made. M- almost everybody um, was fine. And one person gave us a huge chunk of change and was just like, fuck it. I want my money back. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it dragged on for a while. And it wasn't my project. It was this guy we were working <laughs> yeah. with project. And I said, I would give the money back. And he's like, well, I'm not giving the money back. And I was like, this is on you. I'm wiping my hands and I'm walking away from the project. And it was a total pooch screw like it was like a great recipe for anger yeah it was it was just one of those things where it's just like every day and the problem with these campaigns is they're long they're not like hey go live and just wait and sit back like they're like 30 or 45 days or whatever where it is Mm -hmm. and you've got to manage it and 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 you're you're on like it's a full-time job and i don't think anyone realized that so having lived through the horror of doing that one, like it was, it was basically, it was basically if they laid out, how do you set up a campaign? We did it wrong on every turn. And then 
I was involved in a couple other ones where I was just played like a supporting role and helping them get done. So we did learn, learn from it, but it was a pooch screw. And now what I think would be interesting for people is I'm going to kind of say the things that you need to know going into these. Cause I yeah. think they can work when you set it up. Right. But there's some things that you got to know when you set them up. First off, they are like, when you're talking about horror and genre films, the good thing is people like them. Like the, 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 the it doesn't Kickstarter and Indiegogo is a perfect platform for them because people don't need to be sold that like Nicholas Cage does not have to be in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it helps, but he doesn't have to be in the movie. He can just like, like it could just be like, Hey, we've got a cool idea. It's, it's, it's about, you know, this and you might you might it's just about it has a bunch of boobs gore and and monsters and we're gonna go make it and you're gonna be like ah yeah, fuck i'll give those guys 20 bucks like so it is a good platform mm-hmm. for it because it, it works but here's what i think you need to understand about crowdfunding platforms before you go in one you gotta work for a good month to two months prior to going live to prep people for the fact that you're gonna request money from them yeah uh, cause here's, there's two reasons to do that. One, if you do that work in the front and you start asking people, Hey, I'm going to do a film project. I'm going to raise money outright. Ask them how much money are you going to give me? Like, how much can I count on you for? Like, like try to figure it out and do some math in your head on how much you're going to collect, because then you know what to set your, 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 your marker for. Like, if you know that you're going to you do the math, you're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to get five grand from all these people. Don't set your goal at five fifty thousand dollars because you're not going to yeah. obtain it. Set it at five grand, and make sure you can do what you're going to say for five grand. Now, two, the algorithms for these. If you get a bunch of interests in the first three to five days, they shoot you to the top of the the, the trending list. Yeah. Otherwise, you get buried. So if you prep all these people for you know a month or two. A, figure out how much money you think you're going to get. B, tell them that it's going to launch. Keep them in the loop. Then when you actually do launch it, uh, you'll get that money coming in right away. You go to the top of the trending list. Then people can find you. Because if you don't do that and it's a week passes and no one's been in it, you go to the bottom of the list and no one's ever going to find you. Yeah. And there's a lot of people on there. So work your list at the beginning. Try figure out that money that you think you're going to get, set your money at a realistic amount that you're going to achieve and then work that list as soon as you go live. Now, the other thing you got to realize is if you set it at $5,000, $10,000, $100,000, make sure you can do what you say you're going to do for that money. Like don't say I'm going to go make a million dollar movie and then raise 10 grand and then not understand what you're doing. Make sure the whole idea of this is achievable. Yeah. Um, otherwise you're going to, yeah, you know, you're going to piss a lot of people off. Well, like don't say I'm going to handcraft you out of straw, an action figure for this, uh, for this movie. Uh, it may take me a year to do it, yeah. but I'll produce 20,000 of those and send them over to you with the perks. Yeah. And it, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take that much mm-hmm. to go, go on to Indiegogo and, and Kickstarter, look at the trending ones, look at the perks that they're offering people and, and stay in line with that. Um, now the other thing you have to realize is for the, when this campaign is on, you have to like have everything, have your Facebook roll and have your Instagram, every channel that you have, you need to work it to drive traffic there. Cause the, at the end of the day, you'll have that list that you're starting with. Understand that 
after that list is done, no one's finding this project. You mm-hmm. have to direct them to it. So you are, it's almost a full-time job of getting eyeballs onto that project to, yeah. to, to get it there. So it's a lot of work to get it done, but Hey, it can work. And a lot of people, so success stories. Now there's a bunch, there's one good reason you want to do this. And now we're going to get into this because say, for example, a, a film we've talked about in the past, thanks killing about the killing Turkey, mm-hmm. uh, the killer Turkey. He funded that on his own for, I think like five grand, right? Like him and his buddies. Well, I think it was and, so less than that. Like, Oh, not even more than three grand. If, yeah, well, it was f- fucking enough. Definitely under five for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he built up enough audience and realized that he had enough of an audience that he did a Kickstarter campaign for the sequel, and was able to tap that audience mm-hmm. and then raised way more. He raised way into the six figures more than he it was wanted. Like one hundred twelve at least somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't. And he, and, he, and, he, and he was like, "Fuck! I only need like fifty grand to make mm-hmm. the next one." But he raised like one hundred and twenty, and then he just put it all back into the movie. And made a bigger movie. So he was tapping an audience that he had already had to do it again. Now, there's other guys out there. I'm going to talk about one in a little bit. Who The cool thing about this is, is like, if you can get one done, say it's like fund a short film for five grand, get the short film done, get the short film out there, build up an audience, retain that audience, like get them to follow you on Facebook, get their email addresses. And then, you know, next year, do another film tap that same audience and then do it again. And if you can get into a groove of like building up an audience and that that is always going to give you 20, 50, hundred bucks towards your movies and keep growing it over time, this can be a really good format. Like this can be an excellent format. Like if you have an audience that continually pays to see your movies and you're growing it over time, keep tapping, like uh, keep tapping this, like just always put it out here. You're, you're going to raise money from your audience. And I think, that's that's the smartest way to do this. If you look at it as small achievable steps, but mm-hmm. try to raise money on these these platforms, you know, hopefully one day you get a hundred thousand followers between all your social channels and your email list. And then every time you do a movie, you put it out on Kickstarter, you know, you raise a bunch of your money that way, and then and then you're off to the races to make your films. And then you can you can get a whole career going that way. So I think done right, it's a really it's a really good platform. But I think most people 90% of people just put their project up there, sit back and think it's going to raise money and yeah. don't understand that it's a, it's a tool and you got to use these tools. Yeah. Now, just out of curiosity, why did Indiegogo um, say that it wasn't a good idea to have the actor announce the project when he was on the no, show? That was the one thing we did right. Oh, okay. Okay. They're like, that's the one thing you did right. Okay. But then he looked at how he set up the campaign and he's like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And, and he goes, and why aren't you getting him to do X, Y, and Z? Okay. And, and okay. That like, well, makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. And he was like, like, you can't like basically him. If we raised, I can't even remember how much we raised, but like 80% of it came from him saying it one day. On yeah. The, on the oh show. shit. Okay. And he was like, and originally I was like, when you're hanging with your famous buddies, like just fucking push the push it on them. Like, like here, sign up. And like, and like I was like, take little videos and then get them to share it on their social. And like, we'll we'll raise our money in no time. He did none of that because he just he just didn't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh and anyhow, it was it was we learned a lot, but you can't count on other people. You got to take a lot of work on yourself and make it all achievable and attainable. And then, then it's a good tool. And I think long-term you want to go long on these things. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, having said that there's three platforms uh, that I would look at Kickstarter, Indiegogo and Patreon are, are kind of the three. I have zero uh, 
knowledge really about Patreon. I get it. Have you used Patreon? Before? No, I, yeah, I've just vaguely aware of it. And people at YouTube talk about how they have Patreon subscribers, but I'm not familiar yeah, with it. The whole idea with like, 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 so Indiegogo and Kickstarter are campaigns, meaning we launch where I have a campaign and it ends. Like there's an end date to it. And it's, and it's, you're looking at one time perks and offers to basically raise money. Patreon is essentially ongoing. Like, like if, like if we wanted to set up a Patreon page for the dead RV podcast, we're basically like, hi people give us money on an ongoing basis so we can keep this going. Yeah. Right. So Patreon's more of a drip, you know, people give me subscription stuff, whereas Indiegogo and Kickstarter are, are one-time things. So, Anyhow, those are kind of the three. Hopefully people get some do's and don'ts out of there. But I mean, it's something you can do if, I mean, it's almost like you have to look at it like a bunch of pre-work, a bunch of work, like a full-time job while it's live, but you cannot think. And I think a lot of filmmakers think that they just, they can just, like I mean, even when it comes to social media, a lot of people that I've talked to are like, oh, I did this campaign. And I look at them like, well, why'd you do it that way? You're just wasting you know like you got to do these things right and they can work really really well so anyhow so having said that okay what you and i are going to do now i think because i think this is an important platform for indie filmmakers at the beginning of every month we're going to look at what's coming out that month like that's actually been been made and then and then in mid-month we're going to each find a crowdfunding project that we want to highlight and maybe we'll add that to our our newsletter once we start actually yeah. putting out the newsletters so i searched around actually I, I searched around and i gotta talk about this guy so it's on where did i say it's on kickstarter uh and this is a guy we talked to and i think this guy's probably doing it right and uh we talked to this guy 10 years ago yeah and he was making awesome low budget movies a guy <laughs> named bill zabub yeah <laughs> pretty sure it's not his real name <laughs> but he's currently raising money for something just called zombie yeah and you, you look at it, he's got 54 backers which is probably right in where he's at he put, yeah. he put a goal of like 500 bucks he's he's destroyed that goal and has raised a few thousand dollars and, and having t- chatted with him in the past th- that's a total that's a budget for him to make movies and I guarantee what he's doing is he's he's basically doing exactly what we talked about. He's been making low budget movies for like 10, 15 yeah. years. And and he knows what he's doing when it comes to these low budget movies mm-hmm. because he doesn't care that he's, his budgets are like five grand, four grand. But he comes up with stuff. And I remember like looking at his 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 <laughs> like in 2016, he had a he came out with an indie movie called Dick Shark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That hasn't been done before. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to look at his filmography. Yes, uh, I remember we started talking to him shortly after he had done Jesus Christ Serial Rapist, um, oh, and then the one that put him on the map was a film called The Worst Horror Movie Ever Made, mm-hmm. which was 2005. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I then, that. and then, and then there was Ass Monster: The Making of a Horror Movie, uh-huh. uh, which he'd come out with afterwards, but. These are the types of titles he got for. And I mean, you watch them, they're just goofy, like horror films, but the title alone would like get you, it's like clickbait. And yeah. you look at what he's doing. He's, he's, he's also a metalhead. He did a documentary called death metal, a documentary and dirt bags, the armpit of metal mm-hmm. that he did in the early two thousands. But this guy's like, 
I'm not going to agree with the titles and they like, it's a little over the top, but you know what? He's, he knows what he's doing, but by, by, by he's making low budget movies. He's got a new one out on Kickstarter called zombie. Uh, it, it feels like back then he used to do about a movie a year and now he's doing a one every two, three years, mm-hmm. but, but um, that's going to be my pick for it. Zombie, a bills above movie search for it on Kickstarter. There's mine. Yeah, here I'm on the list. It's got uh, zombies may, might symbolize plague, incessant problems, and other things. In this movie, they symbolize conformity. Bill's above asking for $600 has already received $2,539, 54 backers, four days to go. <laughs> there you go. And it's like, he also is like, he knows he's going to make the movie regardless. So get the mm-hmm. money, don't get the money, he's going to make it. So he can that literally do it. And this is where the genius is. It's like, Give me 20 bucks, I'll give you the DVD when it's done. Yeah. <laughs> right? He knows he's going to make it. Mm-hmm. And it, all he's doing is pre-selling the DVD, which is no different than what big budget guys do. Yeah. Uh, like, it's just, he's doing it, right? I wonder how much guys like Zabub used to make at conventions, selling their DVDs there at, at their tables, like, uh, as opposed to just uh, selling online here, like, with these. Like, I wonder how much they would bring in, because... The convention thing isn't necessarily an option, at least right now. So they yeah. have to do a more crowdfunding to make up for that. Yeah. Uh, I Unless they have like an online store that they sell off of as well. well back in the so. day, I remember talking with guys, like when DVDs and Blu-rays mm-hmm. were a thing, you yeah. could actually make decent money on it. Like, like, yeah. You could actually like get it into like uh, some distributors would pick it up and you'd actually sell a bunch or you could go to a convention and, and, and sell 10 to 20. The problem now with streaming is that if you're not like on Amazon prime, who cares? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I wonder like if you just went with a, like, I wonder if it'll come around, if they're going to invent something cool, because like I would start buying shit again. If it was, if it came with like a poster or some sort of collectible, like if DVDs were as Definitely, cool as yeah. VHS tapes were, you know, or even like it came with something that you could display. Yeah. Know? Like looking at looking at his perks too, it's pretty funny. It's like the first four perks are all like get the Blu-ray, get the Blu-ray and the, the outtake DVD and a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the last one, like seventy-five bucks or more. I'm just gonna give you ten of my movies. Like he clearly has boxes of his DVDs still sitting oh, yeah. at home. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sixty bucks is Blu-ray, uh, BDR and shirt. Okay. What's the, BD- <laughs> What's the BDR? That's Blu-ray, isn't it? BDR? That's weird. Okay. Huh. Is that is what does it stand for? Best thing though is get a t-shirt of the movie because not only do you show your support, but then you have bragging rights when you go to horror conventions and other places where others and other places where others will envy your attire. Hell yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. These sizes go up to five XL. Yeah. You gotta get those those plus size fans in there, plus a baby tee. So you could get like yeah. um, a newborn gonna, or well, I mean, extreme I rem- like fat guys or girls too. Yeah. Well, part of me with him is like <laughs> when, I, when I was when I decided to look back at what people are doing and it, like I saw Bill's above. I was like, "Fuck, we talked to that guy ten years ago and he's still doing the same shit." God bless him. Yeah, like, that's he's, that's that's awesome to still just be. He's probably got some other job that he does, and he's everything. It's just every every year he scratches a niche and goes and makes like a total low budget horror movie. Yeah. God bless him. But now I'm intrigued as to what BDR stands for. Yeah. BDR of outtakes. Blu-ray and BDR of outtakes. 
Oh, okay. Here it says right here. Okay, a BD minus R is a Blu-ray disc that is burned on a computer, not factory made. Okay, so that's, ah, so that's like the DVD minus R ones, but the Blu-ray version. So you're oh, right. God. Yeah. So you were right. Yeah. It is a Blu-ray, yeah. but it's a burnt. It's a home burned. Right. Right. Blu-ray. Yeah. Got it. All right. So that 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 that's mine. Zombie, a Bilzebub film, and I like that he's brought his titles back down a little bit. Like like this is just called Zombie, and there is another movie called Z- Oh no, the original Zombie, the Gallo Horror doesn't have an E on the end. It's just Zombie. Yeah, yeah, like the, Jesus so Christ serial down, rapist still, may not bring in uh, the entire mainstream audience. Yeah, so uh, yeah, 2010 Zombie Christ Ant Farm Dickhole, forgive <laughs> me for raping you, <laughs> ass monster. Like, yeah, I, I think these are <laughs> we're changing our titles around a little bit. You know, just going to straight zombie might be a little a little better for the mainstream crowd. Yeah. <laughs> all right so uh did you uh did you find uh um something on indiegogo or or uh yes i spent uh, i spent 45 minutes browsing the indiegogo interwebs um so now i did find some some stuff that looked cool a little bit less generic but those campaigns that all ended or they don't have enough time left to, to actually promote it so it sort of narrowed it down to two and one of them was called, uh, let's bring that one up here. Second, good. Were you on Indiegogo or were you on Negotiate these tabs. Okay, so this is Indiegogo. So I checked on Indiegogo because you were doing Kickstarter. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of them I found was Skinjacker that looked like it was sort of like an, an alien um, throwback kind of movie. That one they were asking for 28 grand on. It was going to be filmed in Scotland. So I thought that one looked cool, uh, but... Um, it didn't have like the way that they described, they didn't describe the creature to be unique enough for me to be interested in enough, but I love the name Skinjacker. That's cool. That's a good name. And I love like the alien concept. So there was another one that I found that was, so that's my, like my, uh, my, my second, uh, second one on there. The main one though is locals only. This is a horror movie about a half dead surfer that attacks, uh, Teenagers that got there surfing is sort of like when they do the promo for it, it has like an endless summer type of look to it. Oh. But I thought it was so I'm going with this one because it has like because they could actually create a horror horror villain out of this, a surfer horror villain that attacks people while they're surfing, half dead surfer horror villain that could spawn a franchise. Now they were asking for so it sort of seemed like it was like uh I thought this was actual feature film when I first looked at it on here. But this is actually like a proof of concept movie they want to shoot for nine grand. Um, they've already got uh, seventeen, nineteen. Uh, it's got nine thousand dollars as a goal for it. So I think that's a realistic goal to do, like sort of a proof of concept thing. Hopefully they could get some money to make this into a feature. But I love the idea of doing like a throwback to a seventies or eighties kind of slasher movie and having a half dead surfer villain in it. I think that alone is cool. And then like the poster is really cool too. It's got like a hand coming out of bloody water holding like what looks like a beer. That's like got the director's name on it, but it's a very like seventies, uh, eighties type of look to it on there. But that one I think could, uh, could have some legs and spawn a franchise. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Actually, it's a pretty cool idea. I'm down because you know, the one thing I would like about this, like, first off, you are right. I'd, I'd like the idea of, like, it's like throwing a, and this is also what, like, people can think about mm-hmm. when they're coming up with films. It's like, okay, mixing, like, just having a villain or just having a monster or whatever is one thing, but then sometimes you get a whole new idea just by putting it in a different right, setting, yeah. right? And and this setting of the surfing culture, 
comes with a lot to it. Like you can tap that surfing culture. This is actually like a good, good marketing thing because you yeah. can be like, you can tap the surfing culture and be like, Hey, we're making a horror movie. So that, that might not be horror fans, but then it also appeals to horror fans. Not to mention what I, what I think is really cool is that like th there's going to be music to it because that mm -hmm. comes with its own music. So there's like a mixtape. Yeah. The there. perks are cool. They got yeah. like, they got like the, the trucker hats, they got like the, yeah. the surfer shirts that you would wear. And then the soundtrack thing, that was one of the things that I noticed as well too. That's, that's a great perk to it, but it's a great sort of marketing scheme they have around it as well too. Well, I just like, I mean, I like the idea of like tapping a culture like that. I think it's a, uh, it, it's super, super smart. Right. And you are right. Like, a half dead surfer is kind of cool. Like I like the and even like the drawing of the the drawing of them they have on there looks pretty low budget. But I just love the idea of a half dead surfer surfer attacking people. So hopefully if they get the right makeup artist for it, they can make that look like something pretty unique. Yeah, it would have it would have legs. I think mm -hmm. be, I mean that'd be kind of like a cool thing to get behind because I can I can totally see the mixing of the cultures and this is something people should think about. It's like oh we got this great idea for like sometimes something that's. Like if you said I have a there's a half dead guy haunting a neighborhood or whatever, it's mm -hmm. like okay, we've seen this a billion times. But a half dead surfer haunting surfers, all of a sudden, this is totally new. It's a totally yeah. new concept, and yeah. uh, and like the the way they're looking at it, they've got the like the cool fonts. The guy's raising a beer. Uh, there's gonna be like a mixtape going on. Like the, I, I mean, because what when you when you're when you are going out to raise money or raise interest you basically have this whole other subgenre. It's like, well, Hey, it's going to appeal to horror guys, obviously, but it's also going to appeal to surfers. And we're going to tap that, that, that audience. And we're going to tap that community to, to help it out. And it, it uh, yeah, it's a sweet idea. I, yeah. I, I, imagine if Brody from point break turned like hmm. died and then came back as an evil mentor to surfers. Uh, yeah. so, but like the whole surfing culture hasn't really been tapped into as a horror movie, unless you want to take like the broader aspect of it, like jaws, you know, but I think like that environment of like the, the beach party movie and one that's sort of like beach party, the threshold of hell, which we talked about years ago, yeah. but this has, but this also, what is cool about this is that it has a franchise villain they can throw in there for it. That's what's yeah. going to give it legs. Franchise villain, cool subculture, a mm -hmm. lot of angles on it. I I wish these guys the best. Yeah. I think that's pretty badass. And they've got lots of time left there. <clears throat> it's an interesting goal because they're asking for, was it nine grand? Yeah, and see, that's realistic to ask for. They're not asking for too much money, and they're not trying to do something too big. They're trying to do a proof of concept thing for it. So if they use that um, as a promo to get more money for a feature film, that could definitely work. But I like yeah. the fact that like, the amount of money they're asking for is realistic. There's enough time left. There's there's 29 days right now. There will be less by the time this posts, but um, yeah. there will still be enough time to check it out. And he's a, he's a, he's in his final semester at film school in yeah. in in California somewhere. So he's probably at like oh Lord knows where he's actually at. I don't think it says, but but I mean for for guys like that, that's a great way to yeah make your proof of concept. Like I mean, mm -hmm. I remember we when we were in film school, we luckily got a grant to do the town that dreaded some clown uh, because they paid full our film, but we were actually shooting on film at the time. Yeah, like I I wouldn't know like if you were had, having to do it now what they would do it. And I think we put all our fucking money into making our final project. Cause we wanted to do as much as we could on it. But yeah, yeah like to do this, if you have like an audience and you have a, especially when you're in film school, cause then you go back to your parents and go back to other people. It's like, Hey, spread it to all your family. And friends, right, yeah. like, the money? Um, but I like the idea as proof of concept. I think it's pretty cool. Like I, I could get behind a locals only uh, franchise, low budget horror series yeah good pick. good pick way to search and find it so i think yeah i think this is kind of cool like 
seeing what other people are looking at and doing out there is I think, you know, moving forward, like every month we'll do on one episode, we're going to talk about what we find out on crowdfunding. And we'll also talk about the new stuff that's coming up. And I think this is, uh, that's pretty cool. I like chatting about these ideas and hopefully I do think at the end of the day, crowdfunding is a great platform for up and coming mm-hmm. filmmakers or any filmmakers or established filmmakers, but you got to do it right. And you got to learn from others and, and, and do it properly. So hopefully, hopefully people took away from something from this one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh no. Fuck student films. Like when people are in there doing their senior films and raising money to get them done and doing it right. Yeah. Those, those can, because you're actually like, you think about like when we were in film school too. So if people start utilizing these platforms to, to, to finance their senior films or, or thesis films, or I want to call them. Um, then using that as like their calling card to go get a bigger project or something yeah. like, like it used to be happened quite a bit because there wasn't a lot of people out there making them. It'd be a little tougher to break through, but what's cool about this. And I will leave it on this. If you raise, he has got 25 backers here, but say you go bigger on this. And by the end of it, you get like a hundred backers to fill your short film. gets hey, Well, you know, you have a hundred people, you have a, you have a hundred like followers. Mm-hmm. Now, how can you leverage those hundred followers? Like that's the cool thing about these platforms at the end of it, when it's done, you download that list of people. You can follow up with them one-on-one. Hey, thanks for giving me money. Like, Hey, I want to do this next. Can you help me? Like you can network. It's a networking tool. Yeah. And, and realistically, I think filmmakers need to think about whether you're crowdfunding or, or just doing like finished a film and you're using Facebook or social media, think about each person that gives you money or likes it or shares it. That's part of your audience and you should try to bring them into your community and then leverage them on your next project. So, I mean, that's, there's multiple reasons that this is a good platform for people. Yeah. Hell now it's making me think that we ought to get something out there on Kickstarter, but maybe once we get more of an audience. Yeah. Um, say what you want about Bill's above. <laughs> but uh, he's not getting rich off of the money he's asking for. <laughs> no, he's probably putting no. it all on the screen. Well, I think you, when you look at the, the movie that, that Bill Zabub's making, I don't think he's looking at a mainstream career. Uh, but uh, he's happy he's doing, doing what, what he wants doing. to do. Yeah. That's that's what it's all about: mm-hmm. making the shit that you want to make and getting it out there. Uh, and that's what we're all about. But yeah, no, I'm behind locals only. I'm going to follow this one for sure. Uh, cool. That's all I got. Wait, you got anything else? Oh, I just uh, want to remind people to check out these Kickstarters and uh, lend them some cash. And if you got your own Kickstarters or Indiegogos going on, we wish you the best of luck. And hopefully we'll we'll be able to promote those later on. Yeah. If you've got any projects going on, whether it's uh, Indiegogo, Kickstarter, or you've got a project that you want to get out there, go to deadharvey.com uh, and reach out to us. Follow us and find us because uh, we do... You know, eventually we want to start talking to all you guys and, and, and promoting these. So, sure, that's 100% right. So, uh, yeah, you made it this far. Congratulations. You are an indie horror filmmaker or fan. But uh, like I said, do go to deadharvey.com. We want to work with all you guys, whether you're a distributor, filmmaker, your you know, media company. Uh, we want to find more audiences and find more people to watch uh, indie horror and help more in- indie horror get made. So, uh, it would really help us uh, in our quest to do that if you follow us or subscribe to our newsletter. So find us at deadharvey.com. And that's all I got for this week. Yeah.